Listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the SDSU Football Podcast. I am Andre Hagverdian, and joined by always Paul Garrison. This is part three of our interview with Coach Jeff Hecklinski from San Diego State. As part of our 2022 season preview, we started with the offense. Uh, part one, which was episode 28, looked at uh, the quarterbacks. Part two, which was our last episode, focused on the running backs and the wide receivers. So part three, this episode, we talked to Coach Heck about the tight ends and the offensive line and got his uh, thoughts on how those units have progressed and how they're looking heading into the fall camp. Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, moving on to the tight ends, you know, replacing a fourth-round NFL draft pick is never easy. Coach Esselu gave us a great scouting report on everybody on a recent episode of our podcast. Uh, Mark Redman seems to be that next guy, or at least that first guy ready to take on uh, that lead role. What, what do you see from him skill set-wise, and how does he compare to some of your recent starter I think I think Mark has a chance to be. Uh, I think Mark's going to fit right in the same mold as 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 Dan, and and obviously we're we're replacing we're replacing a player that, you know, if you look at throughout the course of we were together what twenty three games, I think, yeah, am I right? Twelve and two, twenty two games, twelve and eight. So we were together twenty two games with Dan. Okay. And there were and there were some times in there Dan had some injuries and stuff like that. So I think Dan ended up playing, I think, 20 or 21 of them out of those 22. But Dan never came off the field. Except in certain situations, Dan very rarely came off the field. And Mark has a chance to be in that same mold. And, and one of the things in developing, you know, there's a reason why Dan's going to go start for the New York Giants or in his position to start for the New York Giants. Okay. One, our tight ends move all over the place. They understand football. They're able, they're able to play with their hands on the ground. They're able to play with their hands off the ground in two-point stances, and they're able to play with wideouts. So they play all over the field, from a backfield position to an on-the-ball to an off-the-ball to a wideout. And, and then the ability to process and learn all that and take it then from the classroom to the field and then not come off the field. You know, now barring injury and barring setbacks that happen throughout the course of the game, Dan, you know, progressed through the course of 22 games to be able to do that. Now, when he goes to the next level, he's not a one-dimensional tight end. He's not just a one-trick guy that can only do one thing. He is so versatile that he can go anywhere on the field and he can play anywhere on the field. And I think Mark is going to have a great chance to develop into that same type of player for us where he's developed as a complete tight end, not just as a, a one-dimensional player that this is all you can do and, and this is the only time you're going to be used. And, and so, you know, that's those are big expectations for Mark to fill those shoes, but that's why Mark came here. When Mark was leaving Washington, that's what he was looking for, and, and that's why he's here. And then we got some younger kids behind him 
that are that have got to develop. You know, I think we got two extremely very talented tight ends, and he and Jay Rudolph, uh, and 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 they're game ready right now. Now between Aaron Green and, and Gus McGee, Cameron Harple, you know, I, I think you know, and all the young ones that we have coming in, you know, those are all, you know, now we got to find who's going to be number three, who's going to be number four. Is there somebody that's ready to allow us to go into different personnel groupings now? So now you can go from tight ends to wideouts to backs, and, and now you can just move everybody around. So, you know, Mark's got a lot of big shoes to fill, but he's very capable of filling them. And, and his willingness to fill them is, is I think, what's going to excite you know, it, it excites us because we saw a great progression through spring and we're excited about him. You mentioned Jay Rudolph. Um, could he see some more? Could he be featured more in the passing game this year uh, as a starter at the H? Yeah. And I, and I think it depends on how on how we progress. You know, uh, Jay's always going to be Jay's Jay's the perfect, you know, when when I came, the fullback position has essentially been. We don't, we don't have a true fullback, but our H's and our Y's have to be able to play that way. You saw Dan come back in the backfield. You've seen Jay back in the backfield a lot. And, and Jay is really the perfect H that we're looking for because he's tough enough to be able to play downhill, and he's, and he's long enough to be able to play on the line of scrimmage, and he's athletic enough to be able to move around. You know, And I, and I think it just depends on how we progress as an offense and, and, and how the rest of our personnel progresses too. You know, we got into a lot more stuff out of 12 personnel and throwing the football out of that with our H, which I think helped us and it helped us this spring. And we got to continue to do that now. You know, I, I felt a year ago, our quarterbacks really saw things a lot better out of 11 personnel, if that makes sense. And so, and, and then in the RPO world, being able to have them out wide you know, with the two wide receiver sets, but then our tight ends were, were more into blocking positions in the RPO world out of 12. And that's what I felt our quarterbacks really became comfortable with seeing. And, 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 you know, now I think with Braxton and with Will and the two young quarterbacks, you know, they got a, they got a better, they got a better feel for seeing things inside the box. Cause there's a lot of bodies in, inside that box. Now I got to remember they're seeing through a line of scrimmage and they're seeing through pressures. And, and sometimes you lose track of linebackers in everything that's happening in front of you. And it's hard to find those guys sometimes. And, and you gotta, you gotta be really, you gotta be really disciplined as a quarterback to be able to do that. And that's why I felt a year ago with Lucas, you know, we, we were much better when things were outside his vision and everything was moving outside his vision that way. It lessened the amount of numbers he had to see. So you, you were mentioning, you know, Aaron Green, Gus McGee, JP Murphy, Cameron Harpo. I mean, another just dynamic deep room, yeah. Um, but Logan, what, what Logan, is it? Logan Tanner was in Logan Tanner. Yeah. We had him early in the, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, really impressive. I mean, you know, to speak about Logan Tanner, when we talked to you, you had said something to the fact that, you know, you got a block as a San Diego state tight end. And then at the, when we talked to coach Esselu, he, we said, well, tell us about Logan Tanner. And he said, man, that guy is strong. Yeah. And so just, just to hear that kind of bookend from spring, I think is, is, is pretty, pretty special, but, um, just in general, man, what is it that you're looking for in a tight end? Uh, versatility, you know, versatility and length, uh, you know. And, and so if you're somebody like Logan, who's not as long as, as say, a Mark Redman or, or Gus McGee, then, then you have to have the versatility to be able to move all over the field. You know, and that's where I think, you know, he he's he's going to be right in that same mode as Jay. Jay really was 
the opposite. You know, when you look at Jay in high school, Jay was really a pass catcher. But then when he came here, you know, I think with COVID, one of the things that happened that year was, you know, we, we were so limited on what we can do that Jay really became comfortable in his strength and his body and his mindset. And, and that's how he got on the field with special teams and, and being that kind of 12 personnel tight end where he was going to put his face in contact. And so, you know, Jay, we're really starting to build around, uh, you know, becoming getting back to being a little bit more of that pass catcher type kid that he was. Where Logan, I think, you know, was a pass catcher coming in. And I think with what we were able to do this spring, I think we were much more in a position to where guys like Mark and Logan and really all of our tight ends, we were able to work both the passing game and the running game and not being as one dimensional because of what we had to face in 2020 when we came in and really what we were allowed to do because we weren't doing everything with a ball. We really focused on the run game and the physical part of it. So they're, they're much more farther along. But, you know, to go back to answer your question, length and versatility, you know, those are things we're looking for in everything that we do. And then if you're not going to be, if you're not as long, how explosive are you? You know, and that's where you see like Cam Davis, you see like Logan, you know, they're very explosive athletes because they're not as long. So jump into the offensive line, you know, if there's, if there's somebody's looking at saying there's one part that, that, you know, might be the weakness of the offense, it's going to be the offensive line, not because of the talent or, but just inexperience. So, so tell us about what, what, where you are in your terms of your comfort level, where Mike is in terms of his comfort level after coming through spring with that progression um, from that group uh, being game ready for Arizona. Well, you know, first off, let's, let's, let's change our verbiage and terminology because it's not a weakness. It's, 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 it's an experience thing, right? Right, 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 right. It's It's an inexperience thing. Right. We were helped, and every program has been helped because of the ability of being able guys to come back. You know, in 2020, when I got here and you looked at our depth chart, you know, we were really supposed to be this way a year ago. If you think about it, you know, Zach came back, you know, Chris, Chris came back. We had a bunch of seniors going into 2020. And now with everything we've been through and guys being able to come back, you know, we were able to be more experienced a year ago. And then now, you know, really, we were going to be that way a year ago, but now it's this year. Now, the blessing of that is, is that, you know, guys like Jonathan Harrison have actually been in our program for two years. Uh, so they're a little bit farther along than they would have been as a redshirt freshman. Uh, guys like Joey Wright, uh, you know, our, our freshman, Ross Maselli, you know, Josh Simmons, you know, Xavier Leonard, those guys now are redshirt freshmen coming in and they're going to have to provide critical roles for us. Uh, that's our job as a coach. And, and that's why we coach, you know, the coach, the fifth year guy, the Zach Thomas, who's going to be a, you know, a draft pick and all that stuff. Listen, those, those guys have played a lot of football. They know what they need to get ready. Our job as a coach is to get the young guys ready and, and, and get them to understand what it is to be a college football player and how to be successful and how to go out there and do it for 60 minutes a game for 14 or 15 weeks and be consistent at that level. It's the same thing we're doing with Will and Kyle and Leo. It's the same thing Coop's doing in his room with Breon Penny. It's the same thing with uh, and all those other young wide receivers that Hort's doing in his room with Jalen Armstead and Cam Davis and Lucky Sutton 
and Sheldon Canley. It's the same thing that Savai is doing with really his entire room. Uh, so, you know, the expectations are for the position. They will be ready to play. They will be ready to play San Diego State Aztec football. They will be ready to play at a winning level immediately when we hit the ground running, and that's what we're going to spend. We've already spent all spring doing. That's what they're spending all summer with Coach Hall doing, and that's what we will do in fall camp is to get them ready to go to be in a position to win football games for us immediately. Now, one of those open spots was at right guard, and uh, Ross Masuli, as you mentioned, uh, came out of spring as the outright starter. What we heard and what we saw in spring kind of led us to that conclusion as well. Uh, obviously, with the unless part that you mentioned earlier for any uh, presumed starter, to win that position outright was was impressive. So what did the coaches see in him uh, that made you guys confident at that spot for him? Well, I mean, Ross has been, from a, from a football standpoint, you know, Ross was really pushing a year ago to play you know there was times where I, I think he you know if I remember right he was traveling early there was times he was up with us you know Ross has been an impressive football player since he stepped on campus and, and so from that standpoint I don't think it was any 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 shock to us what we saw and what happened throughout the course of spring what Ross has got to do a good job of is now being able to do it for 60 minutes a game and, and being able to practice that way every day throughout the course of a week as you're heading into that game. And it's an everyday thing now, and that's really for all these young guys. You know, Jonathan Harrison, the same thing. Xavier Leonard, the same thing. You know, Cade Bennett, the same thing. It's, it's not a three out of every five play. It's not a one out of every two play. It's a, it's a nine and a half out of every ten plays. You know, that consistency has to happen that way. That's that's what Zach Thomas was so good at. That's why he got drafted. That's what Alma is so good at. That's why Alma has a chance to play at the next level. And, and that's what BCD became good at. You know, if you'd have told us going into last – you guys have been here. You guys have been around. Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon is probably the most changed person since I got here in 2020. And if you look at his progression as a player, what he did a great job of a year ago was taking over the right tackle spot during the spring and becoming that player now because he's no different a year ago than Jonathan Harrison is right now, than Ross Maselli is right now, than Cade Bennett is right now. But from the time spring ended through fall camp, he was able to get that mentality to play nine and, and be aggressive and be consistent nine and a half out of 10 plays. And now he's an every down starter. And now he should be, you know, some sort of an all conference player coming into year two. And, and that's exactly the same progression. The only difference was, is we have one guy we're doing that with, right? Because we had Billy back, we had all back, we had Chris back and we had Zach back. So you know, everybody's going to be who was the right tackle. When well, now we're doing it at both guards and left tackle, we'll get them there. Mike's a great coach, you know, and he's and he's he's fortunate that you know we have Gary Bernardi, we have Ryan Crumb, you know, and and the other thing too is I'm going to sit down with those three guys and we're going to say, hey, what do we do best? Tell me what we do best, and we're going to do it, and that's what we're going to put our focus on as we come through fall camp. Give us two weeks, okay, Mike. You tell us what each guy does best, and then that's how we're going to game plan. And we'll go from there. 
Our last question of the day, and we definitely appreciate you taking taking the time. The last question is about uh, Alama. You know, he made that decision to come back for one last year. Um, it's hard to imagine this offensive line and this team without him being back, considering all the the inexperience. So, what is, what is his decision? Um, how vital was his decision, and what does he mean to the team as a whole? Let's flash back two years ago. We get cleared to play. Right. So we'll go through everything we go through in the end of September. The Mountain West says they're going to play again. Remember that? Yeah. Right. We start practice. I think it might have been like, golly, October 8th, 9th or 10th. Right. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Get everybody back. Dom Godino is our starting center. Mm-hmm. We feel great about Dom. In the very first practice that we come back, Dom breaks his thumb and he's out for the year. And who ends up being our starting center? Alma. Who had never played in a game to that point, never snapped in a game to that point. Okay. So when you talk about the inexperience that we have, yes. But the thing about being here at San Diego State, and and you'll hear Coach Hoke say this, you'll hear Kurt, Kurt Maddox say this, you'll hear all of us will say it at some point in time. The expectation is for the position, not for the player. When the player steps into that role, his job is to meet those expectations that have been set for the guys ahead of him. And Alma did just that. Okay, In two years, we've had one bad snap. Not to say that there haven't been other ones that, you know, that's why we got athletic quarterbacks. It's their job to catch the ball, catch it. But we, and that was BYU on the very last series, on the very last play of the 2020 season. We had one bad snap. And, and he lived up to those expectations. And, and now it's his job to teach Ross Maselli, Cade Bennett, Kyle Trombley, Jonathan Harrison, Joey Wright, Xavier Leonard. I mean, go down the line. It's his job to teach those guys how to live up to those expectations. And he's done that. And he's doing that. He does it every day. And he does it in his own way. The best thing about Alma is Alma is his own person. And he might be. In 24 years, I think I'm 20. I'm, I think I'm going on year 24. Uh, you know, <laughs> after a certain point, it's like birthdays, you, you quit counting. He might be one of the smartest offensive linemen that I've been around. I mean, we're going into games. He said, Coach, I got him. I know exactly. Just let me make the calls. Great. Go. You know, we went into UTSA. I said, What do you think? All the way. He said, Coach, they never move the front. We'll be just fine. Don't even worry about it. Great. Here we go. So that's the amount of trust. But you got to remember, 22 games ago, we were all on pins and needles because he now is our starting center and has never snapped before. But through the course of that time, he has become the leader of the group, and now it's his turn to lead those young guys to teach them what the expectations are. And you couldn't ask for a better person to do that. You could not ask for a better person to do that. And we were blessed and fortunate enough that he wanted to come back and do that. You know, I think it says, you know, you look at all our guys from a year ago to this year, it's, it's coach Hoke, it's JD Wicker. It's the atmosphere and the culture of San Diego state football. It's Adam Hall. It's the entire staff that surrounds all these guys from Ruben to Taylor, to Craig Smith, to, Everything that's put in place, academics, training staff, 
They all want to come back and take their extra year and they all want to play and they all want to do everything they can in order to give themselves the best opportunity to play in the NFL. And that's the mentality that we want. Graduate at a high level, become the best person you can be and play in the NFL. And that's what we're trying to do as coaches, get them to meet those goals and meet those expectations and those high expectations every day. So when we go back to start, I have high expectations. Yes, because I'm trying to get them all to graduate and be the best students they can be. I want them to be the best people that they can be, the best fathers and husbands. But at the end of the day, I want them to be able to go into the NFL and not just get there, but stay there. Because that's the hardest thing to do is to stay there. And the one thing that I'll tell you that, you know, to a man that everybody who has one of our players sitting in the NFL right now, every coach, every scout that comes through, your players know how to operate. They know how to act. They're smart and they play hard and they're tough. And that's the greatest compliment that those guys at that level can pay to us here. And that says everything about the culture of San Diego State football. Yeah, we constantly hear about the Aztec way, and that's definitely all those things that you just mentioned for sure. Mm -hmm. um, always a pleasure, Coach, uh, spending time with you and, and chatting with you about you know offense. We definitely appreciate you taking the time, and look forward to seeing you out there in uh, fall practice. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great year. It's gonna be an exciting year. We got a lot of great things. We get home games. Yeah, how about that? Not having to drive. What, what are those? What are those? <laughs> hey, man, I grew up in L.A. I've got family in L.A. So driving to L.A., I've been doing it for 22 years. But it's going to be nice not having to do it for football games. You know, you know what? Uh, honestly, you know what the nice thing is going to be is after a game, being able to go out and, and to see our families, not only as coaches, but to, to see our players go out and see their families and not have to get on a bus yeah. and bus home. And, and regardless of if it's six, seven, or eight, however many it is, the fact that they just get to do that is going to be the most exciting thing because we haven't experienced that in, in over two years. And, and so I think there's going to be really, you know, you, Paul, you talked about that sense of normalcy. It's going to be normal now. And, and, and it's going to be normal with our home for the first time, not somebody else's home, our home. And, and to be in, you know, and I know, I know you're going to hear coach say this Snapdragon Stadium, hashtag Aztec Warrior Stadium. We got to defend our home. And that's first and foremost. You defend your home, you got a chance to do a lot of special things throughout the course of a year. And, it, and it's going to start now against Arizona. Awesome. Thank you again, coach. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. There you have it. That was part three of our conversation with Coach Heklinski talking about the tight ends and the offensive line. I hope you guys enjoyed our full conversation with Coach Heck, uh, which this was part three of going over all of the positional units on the offense for our season preview for the 2022 season, the 100th season of San Diego State football. On our next episode, we will have a sit down with special teams coordinator, Coach Doug Deacon, and we will go through how he thinks the special teams units are looking heading into fall camp. Make sure to keep an eye out for that one as it's published. Thanks for listening and talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU football podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts, Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.